Lord. You're our best friend, O oh God. You love us, O oh God. We love you because you first loved us today. Lord, we need you today. We really, really need you today, Father. Lord Jesus, that we might endure the, the things, O oh God, that will come against us today. We are more than conquerors, O oh God. We are more than conquerors today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Amen. We were talking this morning in our leadership session about, it was mentioned about Paul, and, and we were talking about the word endurance, and uh, I, was, I was sitting there thinking about that, and I thought to myself, and I had that song running through my head, and I thought, you know, Paul couldn't do any of that all by himself in his own human effort. Paul was totally dependent on God. Amen. And, you know, if you look back at Paul's life when he was Saul, he had to learn from the very get-go, from the very moment that God called him, he had to learn to totally depend on somebody else. Because what had happened? He got blinded. So somebody had to lead him. He couldn't walk by himself anymore. He was blind. So the men that were with him had to lead him to the place where he sat and fasted for three days. And the blindness didn't go away, so he was just sitting there. He wouldn't eat anything. He wouldn't drink anything. And he was just being totally put in a place where he had to totally lean and depend on God. So before God sent Ananias to to pray over him and that he might receive the Holy Ghost and to baptize him, he was learning a lesson. You're not going to do this by yourself. He didn't didn't know that was the lesson until God came to him and said, this is what you're going to do and and you're going to suffer some things and you're going to be persecuted and you're going to go through all this stuff. But he was learning the lesson of dependency on God. And so Paul went through his whole ministry enduring afflictions and all those things. And that's not what we're here for this morning to talk about, but he endured all kinds of things being beat up and stoned, literally stoned, like with big rocks thrown at him. And they left him for dead. And and God said, you're not done yet. You don't get to die. I need you for a few more things. And so we we have to, I'll speak for myself, I have to know that I have to depend on God. Because before the Holy Ghost came, I was was making a mess of my life. Amen. But since the Holy Ghost came, that gift, that precious gift that he put inside of me, that's what's been keeping me. And that's why, we, that's why I felt like he was giving me that song this morning. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my strength. When my body doesn't feel like it, when, my, when the aches and pains of getting old are there, amen, yeah, you might say, well, Brother Demuth, you don't have any aches and pains. You don't know. <laughs> might not be like your aches and pains yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> and I'll get there, I'm sure. You know, when when I think about my mother-in-law that's going through hip replacement surgery, my own mother went through that a couple years ago, and I, when I remember looking at her and thinking, in my mind, I, she's still that le- that young lady that bore me. I'm, I don't see her as old, but now it's starting to become reality. Like she had to have her hip replaced. It's and that's coming. Amen. So the more it's it's funny, the older you get sometimes, the more you have to learn. You really have to trust God just to get across the room sometimes, <laughs> right? 
Anybody say amen? Amen. Amen. That's why I thank the Lord every day for every breath I breathed while I was sleeping. Because there's a lot of people that die in their sleep for unknown reasons. They just, tell, they just say they died in natural causes. So we don't know if he's going to take our breath and say, that's your last breath while we're sleeping. So if I wake up and I get to open my eyes and hear the birds tweeting outside the window, I know he's given me another day. And I have a purpose and a reason for being here. And we do too. Amen. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face unto every city, whether he himself would come. He had to have us as human agency. He had to have us to fulfill his will. He had to have humans to carry his gospel. He could have just pushed us to the side and said, I'll do this. I'll, I'll handle it. But he needed us. And so he sent them two by two. And therefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Thank you, Father, for this good word today, for this lesson. We pray your hand upon it. Lord, let every ear hear and every mind receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good to us. You know, in in Matthew 13 and 18, amen, it, he's uh, explaining the the parable of the sower to his disciples he says hear ye therefore the parable of the sower and when when one uh when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and catcheth the way which was sown in his heart that is which received seed by the wayside but he that received the seed unto stony places the same is he who heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it yet hath he not root in him but dureth for a while, for when tribulation and persecution ariseth because of the, because of the word, the, the tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also, received, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed unto him, unto, him, unto the good ground, is he that heareth the word and is and understandeth it, which was all which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and hundred, some sixty and some thirty and another, and so. Um, but what I, actually that wasn't the, the scripture I wanted. But there's one scripture where he talks about the that the good seed being the people of God. That we are the good seed carrying the word of God out there into the field. We were just talking about he sent them two by two. And so the the Bible says that we are, the field is the world. There we go, 1338. See, I wrote it down wrong. Thank God. We were just talking about human error. (laughs) 
The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. We are the children of the kingdom, are we not? But the tares are the children of the wicked one. And what did, what did he say? Don't, don't take the tares out with the wheat. When, when, the, when the man, when the laborer came to the, the master and said, Hey, hey, we, we sowed good seed last night, didn't we? He said, Yeah, we did. And he said, Well, somebody, some wicked person came while we were sleeping and sowed tares, sowed weeds in there. He said, Do you want me to go rip the weeds out? And he said, No, 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 leave them. Let them grow together. And when it's time for the harvest, I'm going to separate the weeds from the wheat. Because they look alike for a little while, but then when the wheat comes up and starts popping those little things at the top, the weeds and the, and the wheat start looking a little bit different. And so you don't want to rip up the, the weeds while the wheat's growing. Why? Because you'll rip up the wheat. You'll ruin the harvest. So the harvest is important. So we are that seed. You know, we've been talking about the harvest in the natural and going out in the field and casting seed and all that stuff. But we, we are that seed. Amen. You know, those seed, we talked about the seed being precious. And I know this might not follow what's in your lesson, but I just, I've been praying and seeking the Lord and trying to look at the lesson, but I just feel like I'm going to just kind of go where the Lord's leading me with this this morning. But he, he, he talks about the seed being precious, and the, the Bible says that they that go forth bearing precious seed, weeping, bearing precious seed, shall come again, bearing, bringing their sheaves with them. In other words, there's going to be a harvest. But you know what the thing is about that seed? It's so precious, and they guard that seed. They don't just leave it anywhere. They store it in the barn, and they cover it until it's time to put it in the ground, and then that seed is precious because it's the next crop. But the farmer knows, really, that he's got to sacrifice that seed. And he knows that some of that seed is not going to grow. But it's a sacrifice to take that seed out there because he knows, as we talked about already, that the tree, he has got to put total trust and faith in the God who made the seed, in the God who made the dirt, in the God who made the sunshine, in the God who made the wind and the rain. He's got to put total trust in that, and he's got to sacrifice that seed, trusting that the seed is going to do what it's supposed to do. And Brother Richard and I were talking a few weeks ago about the if a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies... It bringeth forth, what? Much fruit. But the, wheat, the corn of wheat, the seed of the wheat, has to go into the ground. And what happens to that seed? Once it starts to germinate, once those things start to happen, you know, spring is going to be here soon. I'm already telling myself. <laughs> Hadn't even snowed the first drop yet. Although I was driving through snow Friday, taking my wife to the airport all the way up to Minneapolis. So it was snowing all day, <laughs> covering stuff. So I said, wow, the trees still have leaves on them, and it's snowing <laughs> in Minnesota. So that seed has to lose its identity. It's no more a seed once it germinates and pops up a little plant out of that, that earth, a little green that comes out of there. 
The seed is no more. Now it's a plant. So it lost its identity as a seed and it became a plant. And that's what the farmer wants, doesn't he? Because he knows that plant's going to produce what? More seed. Amen. And so it's a process. And so that seed had to die. Amen. Jesus Christ was that seed. You know, the seed of Jesus Christ was carried all through the generations of the Old Testament, all the way through. And if you go in um, one of the Gospels, it, it explains all the way back to Adam and Eve, the lineage of, of Joseph and the lineage of Mary, and how that seed of, of Jesus Christ was carried. Then once that seed became a, plant, a tender plant, and he, it, it became a tender plant, and it sprouted up, and he became the Messiah, he had to die. He had to die. He had to be buried in the ground and die. Why? Same principle. He had to die so that there could be a harvest of what? Souls. People. Amen. And so those those 120 or so on the day of Pentecost we talked about a couple weeks ago were the they were the they were the uh, the gleaning. Thank you. Having a senior moment here. Everybody laugh, I know. <laughs> but they were the gleaning, and so the people that were added on the day of Pentecost were more than likely the first harvest from the, the seeds from that harvest and gleaning. And so from that day till now, there has been that continual process of plant plowing. I keep wanting to put planting first. Plowing. And then even before plowing, what happens in the natural I was reading something about the Palestinian rains, and they were saying that there's always an early rain after summer's over. And the purpose, it's not a real heavy, heavy rain. It's just kind of a light drizzle. And what it's, what it's there for is to soften the ground so that the plow doesn't have to work as hard. And so there's that early rain that, that prepares the ground for plowing, and then, then you plow, and then you plant the seed, and that whole process from the day of Pentecost started taking place over and over and over again. And thank God that there have been laborers from that day till now that have been there to do the planting, to do the plowing, to do the watering. What's the watering? We got, we got to water the seed when we plant it, right? We, we got to, you know, the Bible talks about intercession and travail. That's the watering. That's that's the the, bearing, the the weeping that goes forth, bearing precious seed. That that's that watering. So thank God somebody was there. That when I came along, that somebody was plowing, planting, waiting, weeping, waiting, harvesting, and so on and so on. And so in the last days, there's going to be the great harvest. Amen. So when you when somebody harvests wheat, you don't just take the sheaves out of the field, and that's the end of it. There's a, there's still a process there. So the wheat goes to where the threshing floor. So what it, what happens in the threshing floor is there's this ox, and he's tied to this post that's sticking out so far from the center of this stone that goes around and around and around. And so they stick the wheat in there, and it separates the chaff from the good part. So what's the chaff? That, that's kind of the stalk, right? 
So that where's that taken? That's taken out and burned. It's, that's all it's good for is burning in a fire. So the rest of it, then after that, is winnowed. What does that mean? Throwing it up in the air, letting it fall back down. And all that was left, the wheat typically is heavier than the rest of it, so it's just going to fall right back down on the floor. The rest of it's going to get blown out the window. So there's a, there's a process of separating. Amen. Sometimes we are going through that. God is working on us little by little through that process of, of separating things out of our life. He doesn't take it all at once. If he had took everything out of our life all at once the day we got the Holy Ghost, it would have freaked us out. We probably would have run the other way. But he takes it. He works on us. You know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And I am his workmanship. You know, when a, when a man is carving something out of a piece of wood, he doesn't just carve it all in one day. He works on it and works on it and works on it and works on it. Amen? When they When they commission a guy to carve a statue of somebody famous, it doesn't just happen in a week or a day. It takes months and months and months of, of carving and working and chiseling and doing all that stuff. So God, God works on us, works on us, works on us. Amen? And so that winnowing takes place. Then when you get it all down to, the, to just the grain, because what's the purpose of, of the grain? One of the purposes is to feed your family, right? To make bread. So what has to happen to the wheat in order to make bread? You got to crush it. You got to kill it. Amen. And so what do they do? They one one preacher one guy said you have to put it between a rock and a hard place. Because that's what it is, right? If if I if I've read and what I've studied, I haven't actually I, I saw this once in Okinawa. They were going through some some sugar cane they were doing this i I watched the the ox going around and around they were crushing the the sugar cane to get the sugar out of it but that grain has to be put down in and basically crushed and pounded into powder before it can be added all the other stuff the oil and all the other stuff added to it in order to bake it and make bread amen got to have yeast added to it and all those things so that we can have bread on our table to eat so the the process of the harvest is not for them for the people of god for for those in the natural it wasn't just getting the wheat out of the field but it was processing it and making it into food for their family amen so it's important and so the new testament harvest began with jesus christ but it could not begin without him because what was the first thing that happened when it was time for harvest? What was one of the first things that happened? When the, the field is ready, it's time for harvest. What, what's the first thing they do? They take the first sheaf, right? They take it and they take it to the temple. And they wave it before the Lord and they say, Thank you, Lord, for the great harvest. So Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was our first fruits. He was our first fruits. He had to go before us. And what did he do before the day of Pentecost was fully come? What did he do? What was one of the last things he said? He said, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving, but you go there and you wait for the promise of the Father. Where did that promise start? Way, way, way back. Amen. You wait for the promise of the Father. 
And so he had to go and be that first fruits. He had to be waved before the Lord. He had to be sacrificed before God could bring forth the, the harvest. <clears throat> he had to be born. He had to be crucified. And he had to be resurrected as the first fruits or the, the sheaf of the harvest. Then he had to ascend into heaven and be the offering, be that offering of the first fruits. Amen. And so we we have been and we are in, in the world that's still yet to be saved are products of that. That continual process of planting and plowing and harvesting. And so we, we are in the midst of that process. We are those laborers that the Bible is talking about. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He's telling us to pray that. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he had sent forth laborers into the harvest. you got cities. I was just reading, um, I think it was on Twitter, they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 58 counties or something like that in, in Nebraska that don't have a church. Huge, I mean, we're, who's going to go to those cities? we got cities all over the state of Wisconsin that don't have a church. Boston and Black River Falls, and are, there's people there that love God. Amen. There's people there that are souls that are important to God. Because the Bible says every soul is His. Amen. And so they deserve, I believe, those people deserve an opportunity to hear this gospel. They deserve an opportunity to have a seed planted in their life somehow. So that they at least know that there is a Jesus Christ that died on the cross for them. They'll take away all their sin. They at least need to know that. I needed to know that. Somebody went out of their way, probably outside of their comfort zone, to make sure that I got to hear the gospel one day. Thank God they did that. Thank God that laborer was out in the field doing their job, sowing seed. Because that seed made its way onto some good ground. And I'm not bragging, but it did. It, it must have because I'm here. Amen? And then somebody didn't just plant the seed. They probably went back and plowed. They probably went back spiritually and plowed and said, God, let that seed fall on good ground. God, take every hindrance away from that seed being able to be fruitful in that life. And they probably wept. And they probably had prayer and prayed over that effort that they put forth. Because somewhere along the line, it stuck. Somewhere along the line, it started getting in my spirit. Somewhere along the line, I started coming to the place where I said, there's something to this. i got to, I got to take the next step. i got to go find out more. Amen. But that, that would have never happened if somebody hadn't been out there planting the seed. And I guess maybe I'm emphasizing the Lord's emphasizing this because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right? Amen. You know, the, if the farmer doesn't plant any seed, he can stand in front of his barn and say, I can't wait for the harvest to come to fill up my barn. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen if you don't plant seed. Amen? Amen. I mean, if you have a garden, you, you can go out there and rototill it and do all that stuff. But if you don't go out there and plant some seed rows of some carrots and 
some watermelon or whatever it is you're growing, you're not going to have nothing but what, Sister Bell? Weeds. You don't plant anything, but you, you let the rain come, it's going to grow something. <laughs> not going to be edible unless it's like pokeweed or something. <laughs> if, so if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a weed that grows wild, but it makes really good salad. Or how about some dandelion salad? There you go. It don't, you know, you don't have to plant seeds for dandelions to grow, do you? They self-seed. Those pretty little things that the kids go, <laughs> oh, don't do that in my yard. Do that in the na- neighbor's. <laughs> right? Broadcast seeding. <laughs> I don't want those dandelions growing all over my yard. Amen. But this gospel is not self-seeding. It has to be broadcast by the hand of man. Amen. And there's one scripture in, in uh, I am having such a senior moment today. <laughs> Praise God. Well, anyway, it's it's in one of the, the minor prophets. It says that the, the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. What's the former house? It's the tabernacle. That's that's where they went to take the sacrifice and take the sheaf. And it was beautiful. Solomon's temple was beautiful. Those those facades, those buildings that they built were all gold and all this beauty. And they were just a beauty to behold. Amen. The glory of this latter house, thank you, shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in his place will he give will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So what's the latter house? That's the That's the last days. That's the last days that we're living in. Amen. If you don't believe that we are living in the last days of the last days, then you're you're sleeping during the day. You're not paying attention to what's going on around you. Amen. We are in the very last of the last days. I believe that. And that if you went if you got to hear or view, or whatever, the general conference, that, that was borne out in a lot of those messages. We are living in the last day harvest. And that harvest is going to be so great, the Bible says that the planter is going to overtake the people that are plowing. Those that are sowing are going to overtake the ones that are still trying to get the harvest out of the field. It's going to be so great and so massive. The outpouring is going to be so massive and so great. We're not going to have room in this building. That's what I believe. We're just not going to have room. We're going to have to go rent someplace like the lacrosse center. <laughs> I've heard several preachers say, thank God they built all these NFL football stadiums because we're going to need them in the last day harvest. If You can believe that if you want. I believe it. If you don't believe it, go back and look at the videos of our last youth congress. Because the Youth Congress before that, we were, sent, we were turning people away because there wasn't legally enough room in the building for all of them to come in. So why, that's why they had to go to Colt Stadium. 34,000 young people to come together and worship the Lord. And people that were there said they didn't just run out when service was over. They said they stayed, most of them stayed there and stayed at the altar 45 minutes an hour after the service was over just praying. So this generation is realizing, whether they realize it or not, that this final harvest is being put on them. 
And, and they're responding to that. So we are in the last day harvest. Does that mean, well, that next generation is going to do it? We can just sit back and relax. Right? Does that mean that? Absolutely not. Amen. He was referring to having our hand on the plow this morning in our leadership. I don't want to take my hand off the plow. Amen? If that's where the Lord put my hand, I want to leave it on the plow. I want to stay in my father's business. I want to be about my father's business. And, you know, I've been praying, me personally, I've been praying, Lord, give me a greater burden and a greater desire and a greater whatever it is, an unction about the souls of this city. Because I don't sometimes feel like I I have enough of a burden. I, I want the Lord to put that on me. So that it just drives me almost to do whatever I can, to say whatever I can to whoever I can. Amen? To just, I mean, I I have tracks in my house. I was going through some drawers looking for something else the other day, and I run across all these tracks I bought. I thought, well, they're not doing me any good in that drawer. So <laughs> I said, those are coming out of that drawer. I need that drawer space for something else. Anyway, those are coming out of that drawer, and I'm they're going to be gone. I'm giving them away. And if people, whatever they want to do with them, people want to throw them away, that's their business. And there's a, I think I told you this story. There's a church, there's two churches, one in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and one in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Because somebody back in the 60s was out doing the work of the Lord and handing out tracks. And somebody got handed a track and somebody threw that track on the ground. And the Lord protected that track and left it there. Didn't let the wind blow it away, and a 16-year-old boy walked along and said, Oh, look, a piece of paper on the ground, and picked it up and started reading it. And there was there was some information on there, and then there were, on the back of it was an address. And he went straight to that address, and the young man's name was William Seacrest. William Seacrest ended up getting the Holy Ghost within a week, getting baptized in Jesus' name. And because of that, he ended up going to... A, a, Greenville, South Carolina, and and start he started two churches that are just I don't I don't know if this is the right terminology, but they're pumping out people like crazy, and because of one seed that was sown, because of one seed that somebody didn't want, but God had it and He had it for somebody else. Amen. So we never know. They they didn't know. Nobody knew that a 16 year old was going to pick that track up. And become and be the William C. Crest that started all kinds of churches and has sent ministers and all kinds of people out in into this world to be sowers and reapers and harvesters. So we never know, but if we will, we will never know if we don't go out there and do it. Right? Am I right? We'll never know. You know, I'm getting ready to uh, launch into being a, a chaplain. Got my business cards in the mail yesterday. And so there's a there's a guy uh, that has a business up in Eau Claire, and uh, Brother Neil Bennett is technically, I guess, for all intents and purposes, my boss in that regard. And he's been t- working on this business, trying to get into this business for months and a, and a year or something like that. And circumstances happened where the man, the man that owns that business ended up having a death or something in his family where, by, by complete happenstance, if you believe in that, I don't believe in that, God orchestrates everything. This man ended up in the same place where Neil Bennett was, and he ended up ministering to this man. And then the man, it was like the light went on. He saw the value. 
I, I, need, I needed this at this moment. And so, when you know they have a business in La Crosse that's going to need a chaplain. And so the Lord, I believe, through this, the Lord is launching me. Because I've asked the Lord, give me opportunities to be a blessing in the ministry to people. Get, get me out there. You know, shove me out there. And that scripture that I read in, in Luke 10, 1 and 2, it says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. That, that, and we talked about that word meaning to just kick them out there, shove them out there, get them out there. It's not a nice word. That's right. You know, boom, go. Stop sitting around. Get out there. And so I believe that's what the Lord is doing. And I don't know what's going to come out of that. But he does. And so what do I have to do? I just have to trust that the things that the Lord lead me into is for his purpose and his will. And, and who knows what's going to come out of that? Who knows who I'm going to meet and, and what the need is going to be? And, you know, if, you, if you've lived any amount of time in this world, stuff's going to happen in your life at some point. Some tragedy, some awful thing is going to happen where you're going to have a, a family member with a heart attack or somebody die or something's going to happen where you're going to need somebody to step up and just listen or minister or whatever, and the Lord is going to open those doors. Amen? And so I want to be there. I want to be that vessel that he's using. If this is the way he's got to do it, I'll do it this way. But he's going to be opening the doors. because, and, and it's why? Because I'm asking him. I've been praying that prayer. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. I've been praying that prayer knowing that he could be, I could be the one that he sends. You'll talk about planting seed. There, there was a, there's a guy named David Doan who was just, just in, joined the Navy. He was from Vietnam originally. His mom was Vietnamese. And he ended up in Montana. And <clears throat> he wasn't interested in serving God. He was just being his old worldly self and joined the Navy. He was going to be a doctor. Went into nuclear medicine. Was going to be a doctor. Was going to go to school and become a doctor and make himself famous. And wouldn't you know it, he got to the Navy hospital in Okinawa, Japan, and somebody invited him to church. And wouldn't you know it, he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he, he was so faithful to God, and he's just it started bothering him one day that nobody was reaching the Japanese. It just really started bothering him. So he started praying about it, God. Here we are, all these Americans on this island, but who's reaching the, the local people? God sent somebody. He prayed, prayed, fasted, prayed. One day God said, okay, I'm sending somebody. You. Who? Me? So to this day, he's been a missionary over there since 1991 or something like that. Started out as an aimer. He's still over there. God is using that man. But he had, somebody had to plant that seed. Amen. And we didn't, nobody knew how, how that, what was going to happen, what kind of ground that was, but God knew. God knew, and thank God for a church that was praying, not just going out and, and knocking on doors and handing out tracts and inviting people to church, but they were praying and having prayer meetings, and they were covering that, that effort with prayer. And I believe that's, that's why we have that man today. And because of him, I mean, I could go on and on about the people that are, not to mention all the people that Paul Dennis had a hand in, in bringing their ministry up and God using them. And that's just one church in a, in a little building in Okinawa, Japan. And the other story I told you about Brother Seacrest. 
So this, this, this principle of the harvest and the seed and, and the, this whole thing, I, I know maybe at the beginning you all might have thought, well, where, what is this? But this is what it's all about. We are the laborers. We've got to ask ourselves, what are we doing? What kind of laborer am I being? Amen. We, once again, I'm going to refer to something you said. The guy in the wintertime, if he doesn't plan to have food put away when winter comes, he's going to be hungry. You know, we have to plan ahead. We have to go out there and cast the seed. Doesn't matter where it goes. Doesn't matter if it gets thrown away. It's not our problem. God's the one that leads people and guides people. You know, how did we come to God? Except the Lord draw him, right? So it's it's not our concern. It's not the farmer and, and the guys that are casting the seed out in the field aren't stopping and looking at every seed going, Oh, that poor seed, it's not going to make it. They're not doing that, are they? They have a job to do. Walk and cast. Walk and cast. Walk and cast. Because what they, if they've been laborers any amount of time, they know what's going to happen. They know what's going to happen. Another six months, you're going to walk out to the end of that field, and there's going to be rows and rows of that corn or wheat or whatever it is you're planting. And yeah, some of the seed didn't make it. But at that point, you don't really care, do you? Because you've got a harvest. And you know you're going to have a job. Because when that stuff starts turning brown, it's going to be time to harvest it. And that process is going to start all over again. Amen? So the corn of wheat has to fall to the ground and die. Right? So, you know, being a chaplain and all that, is it going to be comfortable for my flesh? Probably not. But is it something I need to do? Probably. Is it something I'm going to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I want God, if God's opening that door, I want to walk through it. I don't want to say, oh, no, that's, that doesn't, that's not the normal thing. And I'm, you know, I, I wasn't looking for that. I really wasn't. I really wasn't even trying to find that route. God just showed me that way. He just opened that door. So I'm going to walk through it. Amen. And I emphasized this before, you know, there's going to be people that, there's people that you see in the nursing home. There's people that we see wherever it is that we go. The lady at the restaurant. You know, you, you just never know. And we have to pray that God will give us that sensitivity to know. Amen. That this is some, this is some good ground to plant some seed on. You know, you're looking at the lady and at, she's waiting on you and you don't know what's wrong, but you know something's wrong because you can see it in her face or his face. And so you take the opportunity to open your mouth and say something. And you plant a seed. You know, you don't know where that seed's going to go. Right? We had a, a man that was an aimer in Okinawa that planted a seed with an officer that he worked with in the Air Force. God never came to church. Never came to church. To the church there. But he was teaching him a Bible study at work, plant, just planting seed. Guy rotated back to the States with what he had, and it, it stuck. I don't know the guy's name to this day, the officer's name. But then the guy rotated back to Okinawa a few years later, and he come, found, he come and found that guy. He taught him that Bible study, and he was so excited. 
He was like, man, I am so glad you taught me that Bible study. I am so glad that you showed me this stuff. Because when I got back to the States, the first thing I did was I went to try to find a church just like what you were talking about. And that guy did that. And he ended up becoming one of the most faithful people in that church. And he couldn't wait to get back to Okinawa and tell his friend, thank you for planting that seed. He didn't say that, but he might as well have. Thank you. Thank you for planting that seed. Thank you for being there. Thank you. I worked with a guy in my unit when I finally went to him and said, hey, would you like to go to church? You know, the first words out of his mouth were this. Well, it's about time. I'm like, and I was like stunned. Like, uh, he said, I've been waiting for you to ask me to church. And this was like a couple of months. <laughs> so I was letting an opportunity go by. And as far as I know, he and his wife are still in church today. But it all had, I had to step out of my comfort zone and do something that wasn't comfortable to me. But once I did it that first time, it was like, is that all it is? <laughs> I can do that. Amen. Anybody can plant seed. You know, when the, harp, when the farmer wants somebody to cast seed, does he look for people with a college degree in agriculture? He doesn't care. As long as you have two eyes and two legs and you can walk and throw your arm like this, that's all he cares about, right? Just get out there with your bag of seed and start casting it, right? So does any of us have an excuse? <laughs> right? We don't. We don't. Amen. Just think about your own life and how God brought you to this truth and how God brought you in. Just think about the whole process, your whole testimony of how a seed got planted in your spirit. It doesn't matter if you were in church at the time, if you were raised in church or not. Some point in time, something had to be planted in you, and you had to respond to that. Just think about your own testimony and think, wow, what if my little effort that I put forth could become the testimony like that in somebody else's life? But it has to start with that. Planting that seed. Amen. Whoops. Let's all stand. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this lesson, Lord. I pray and I, my desire has been, Lord, that I would minister this, this word to these people, Lord Jesus, that we would get it in our spirit and understand our role in this thing, Lord, that we would go forth and do that which you have asked us to pray for, that we would, that we would become laborers in the harvest today, Father. And I thank you for everyone in the sound of the voice in this building and those that might listen to this online. Father, that you would get a hold of somebody's heart and mind and bring them to a place, lead them to a place where they acknowledge and they willingly take on the, the, the responsibility of being a, a laborer in the harvest. Father, all this we pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, I thought about that while I was teaching, but it was too late. So I'll walk around.